Good morning, church family. Sorry, I'm late getting on the stage. I have a little friend I had to bring up with me. So how's everybody doing? Everybody good? Can I just say again, uh, I love starting off by telling you how much I love you and um, love worshiping with you and you sang so good today. Can you just give it up for yourselves for singing so good? What I mean by that is you sang loud, uh, and I love that. I do. Um, I just, I hear the sounds of heaven, and I love to hear it now rather than waiting. And, um, and so it just sounded great, and I'm uh, glad to be here today. Uh, all right, so Eagles fans? Okay. Uh, Chiefs fans? Okay. Don't care. <laughs> That's how it should be in Tampa. Okay. That's how it should be. I just turned to my daughter. I said, do you even know who's playing the Super Bowl? And she goes, if it's not the Bucks, then no. And so she's like, yeah, so. All right. It's a good answer. Yeah. Well, I'm excited today. We're in a part five of this series on Exodus. And I want to remind you that I told you I'm not sure how long this series is going to last. And I still am uh, going to keep preaching through Exodus until I feel like the Holy Spirit says stop. And I've never done that before. Like normally, I, by the way, I hate that. I actually, I don't like that. So it's against everything in my DNA, but I'm going to keep staying with it until he tells me to stop. All right. So we're still on part five, Exodus. Uh, this is a journey to freedom. We've been traveling through with the Israelites. And, um, and so I'll recap for just a second, I'm trying to adjust this over here without spilling this and killing this, my message illustration. Um. So uh, this journey with these Israelites, um, remember they came from this beautiful green pasture. That's important to put in your heart and your mind. If you have your sermon notes, grab those out, um, by the way. And then we're going to be in Genesis chapter 19 and chapter 20 is where we're going to be at today. If you have your Bible, you can turn to there, Genesis 19 and 20. And a lot of our scripture is, of course, in your notes as well. But these Israelites were traveling from a really great piece of property as, farm, as farmers, Remember, in Egypt, they weren't always slaves. They were doing well. Then God allows a new Pharaoh to rise up, and this new Pharaoh rises up, and he forgets about some of the history of the Jewish and the Hebrew people, and um, he ends up uh, enslaving them for a number of years, uh, harsh conditions. The Hebrews cry out to God. Well, actually, they don't cry out to God. Do you remember that? They didn't specifically cry out to God, but they cry out. God hears their cry. He sends Moses to release them. They go on this journey. Now, what you have to remember is God was really preparing a people. And this is really important to understand in this series. If you miss this, then you really miss the whole point of the series, which I don't want you to miss the point of the series. The point of the series is really ultimately freedom to become who God made you to be. I need you to really like kind of get that inside to help you really understand the point of this series is freedom to become the person God made you to be or created you to be, not the person that you, you know, kind of like you get to do whatever you want to do, say whatever you want to say, go wherever you want to go. That's not freedom. That's slavery. Freedom is living and operating in the way that you were designed to live. And so this Israelite community is living in slavery, in a sense, not just physically, but even mentally, spiritually, right? Their souls are in slavery because they're following the false gods of Egypt, Remember, God declared war on the gods of Egypt. And we know through scripture, which we talked about in part one, that behind those gods of Egypt were demonic forces of hell. So God declares war against the gods of Egypt, and he starts to remove the Hebrew people from Egypt and bring them into a desert so that they can learn about who he is. It's a little bit of a touch of where we are. So he's led them across this river, this mighty work of God. Last week, we talked about the manna, and uh, they got up to gather. Remember this? How many got up to gather this week? You did well. You got up to gather. Okay. We got to do better applying these messages. <laughs> yeah. All right. So they get up to gather uh, the word of God each day, the manna. Remember, they consume the manna, but man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. And so they get up to gather, and he's teaching them uh, about how they are to live. And the reason is because he wants them to be the message. You have to hear that. 
He wants them to be the message, not just carry the message. They know the message. They could repeat the message, but he wants them to be the message in community and how they function with one another and how they function with him, of course, and then with, of course, one one another. So they're going to carry this message out in, in a way that all of the pagan neighbors, these people around them who are their neighbors residing around them following these false gods who are really, Scripture would say, no gods at all, but these false ideals that this is the person who brings fertility, this is the person who brings healing, this is the person who brings provision, this is the person who brings protection, and ultimately all eyes on Pharaoh, who has this relationship with these gods, who keeps everything in order, God is saying, no, I want you to get your eyes off of those false things and put your eyes on me. So I'm going to reveal myself to you so you can carry the message to the world around you. So I'm trying to help you become who you were created to be. Good job, class. All right, here we go. All right? If you have your sermon notes, write this down, and I'm going to show some photos to you in a second. Key truth number one I want you to understand today as we start. Boundaries prevent chaos. I titled the message, by the way, Boundaries Needed. Turn to your neighbor so you get this into your soul And just tell them, you need some boundaries. (laughs) I started a whole nother conversation. Sign up for Marriage XO right now. (laughs) That's funny. I heard something. You need some boundaries in your life. Boundaries prevent chaos. Okay, let me show you some photos. The first photo is a picture of a guardrail. Guardrails are helpful. They prevent chaos. I want you to imagine a world with no guardrails. I'll show you a picture next and show you what that might look like more often. Think about it. What would happen to somebody if we didn't have guardrails? Think about how many times guardrails do help prevent chaos from happening. Right? Guardrails are meant there to help to guide us, the bumps on the road. How many of you ever... Thank God for the bumps on the road at some point in your journey, traveling long distances. You start to feel the vibration of the car. And you're like, oh, thank, thank you, God, for that bump on the road that keeps me back in line. I'll show you another photo of a river. Boundaries prevent chaos. Imagine a world where water could just flow however it wanted and God didn't design it in a way that they were only allowed to go a certain distance. I'll show you a photo of what happens when There's no boundaries with water. Great floods have occurred. You've seen these things happen. Imagine a world with no boundaries. Imagine a world where people, right, would function. This is a city, people, everybody's getting along, riding bikes, all different backgrounds and people moving along in life as normal. And then, of course, when there's no boundaries, just imagine a world that had no boundaries. You could do whatever you wanted to do. It might look something like this, right? And I'm not making a political statement. I'm not. Just want you to imagine a world that people could do whatever they wanted to do. You would have utter chaos. So God, in Genesis 1.1, Scripture says this, Moses writes, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Two important words. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I want you to say this. Say, Tohu. Why did the left side not participate? Every single week, if you're new with this, I have to ask the church family to repeat things, because I asked them once, and they still don't. They're, they're, Beautiful children, I love them all, but I, I have to ask them to repeat. So everybody say tohu, babohu. These two words are very important in scripture and they're important in our message today to help us to really understand. If you look at these two words, it means a place of chaos or a place of emptiness. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was in chaos. Things were out of order. As we sit here today to understand and learn about God, something I want you to know about God that you may not know, God brings order to chaos. 
he does not want our lives to be in chaos. He created the world, and he starts to put it into order. Day one, he puts into order. Day two, he puts into order. And he begins to put things in order because he's a God who does not want chaos. He wants peace. He wants order. And so he begins to put the, word, the world in order. And he sets boundaries. We know that. He puts space between heavens and earth, and he puts distance in the water, and he allows the water to go to a certain place. And then he creates the land, and he creates all these things, and he, he puts boundaries around creation. How many of you are thankful that the sun is not closer than what it currently is to earth? <laughs> okay, thank you, God. Aren't you glad that he put the boundary of the sun right where it needed to be for earth? And he put the moon exactly where it needs to be. And he sets boundaries around everything so everything can operate in order. God's will is to bring order to chaos. It's what his heart desires Bring order to your chaos. Amen. The first concept of freedom is actually found in Scripture, just a few verses down, or a few verses over, but it's Genesis chapter 2. I'll read it to you. God creates humans, and he puts a boundary. He puts them in the garden. He starts to tell them some things, and then he puts a boundary. Look what he does. Genesis 2, verse 15. He creates humanity, man and woman, Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And Lord God commanded the man, look at the word, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. There's freedom right there. You have freedom to eat from any tree of the garden. But then the next line kind of adjusts that, or at least we could be led to think. Watch what he says. He says, but you can't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And pause. In one sense, he says you're free to eat, but then you're saying, but I can't eat that one, so then I'm not free because you're withholding something from me. And freedom is, I get the freedom to do whatever I want to do, say whatever to say, go wherever I want to go. That's not freedom at all. In the beginning, you were free to eat, but don't touch that one. I'm setting a boundary for you. And notice the reason for setting the boundary, because if you eat from that one, you will die. So you're free. Don't touch that one, because if you touch that one, watch this, you won't be free. How many of you know that if you're dead, you are no longer free? <laughs> you're dead. And you're spiritually dead too, by the way. He's going to, they wouldn't understand in the moment, but they'd be spiritually dead, even lead to physical death, but even spiritual death. So he says, I want you to maintain freedom. I actually want you to be free. So don't touch that. But then Satan, we see, enters the picture. Genesis chapter three. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any of the garden, trees in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree from the middle of the garden. So he put a boundary and you must not touch it or you'll die. Now here comes the lie. Are you ready? You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So you see the lie of Satan was God is keeping something good from you. You've got to see that. Uh, God is keeping something good for you and he knows that if you actually eat of that fruit, you're going to become like him. You're going to have some knowledge. You're going to have something that he's withholding from you. So go. Eat from it. It's good for you. God is keeping something from you. Right? That's the whole lie. God's putting a boundary in front of you to keep you from being free is what the serpent is getting at. 
He put a boundary and that boundary is blocking you of your freedom because you are a human and you're 18 years old and you have the right to do whatever you want to do. You're 21 or you're 35 or you have children, you pay the bills, you have the right to say whatever you want to say and do whatever you want to do. All in agreement, say amen. (laughs) Trick question. Got him. It's not free to be you, by the way. This is not a series about free to be you or do you, which I've said before already. It is free to be who God made you to be. Who God made you to be. So now for an illustration that my wife said, you shouldn't do this. And she questioned my thoughts around this illustration, but a pastor who loves his church will go to great lengths to make something memorable. So if you love animals in this very moment, please come back. And don't take videos and put me on YouTube because... I'm not going to be sued, but I could be maybe, but I love you, so I want to show you something. (laughs) It's just me thinking about this. I'm going to tell you this fish that's in here. I sense, every time I think about fish in a fishbowl, I think about the little mermaid. It's true. I watched so much Little Mermaid in my life. And um, fish were created to swim and live in the water. That's what they were made to do. God put a boundary for the fish. Something happens to the fish when you take the fish out of the water. But you know, Ariel wanted to, are you filming, my daughter's filming me. You have the flashlight. <laughs> what are you doing? She's so nervous. She's sitting on the front row today going, what are you doing with that fish, Dad? But the truth, if you know the song, do you know the song where the little more aerials and she's got all this stuff? Part of your world? Yeah, part of that world. Do you remind you? It's where she says... Um, She's like she's in this bowl, right? She's in the ocean. Do you remember how it starts? Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm a girl? A girl who has everything. Look at this treasure. Taverns untold. How many wonders can one cavern hold? Sure, she's got everything. I've got gadgets and gizmos of plenty. I've got who's it's and what's it galore. You want thingamabobs? I got 20. Now watch this. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. Remember that? But then, I want to be where the people are. Wait. If this was Ariel... She wants to be where the people are. Now, God says, no, you got to stay in your boundary. But Ariel says, yes, I want to be where the people are. Because I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those, what's that word again? Feet. (laughs) Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they spend all day in the sun, Wandering free, wish I could be part of that world. (laughs) What would I give to spend a day warm in the sand? How many of you believe Ariel should be free? Let's free Ariel, I say. Because Ariel wants to be free. Let's free you. Where, where'd you go? 
Seriously. Do you see the fish? I'm not kidding. I was like looking for Lillian just now. Oh, there he is. Yeah, yeah, there's a fish in there. Come here. Come here. Come here, Ariel. You should be free. Dude, you should be free. Come on, come on. Okay, let's free you and set you down over here for a little while. <laughs> like you could see. You okay over there? You're free. Okay, I'll put it back. Put it back. Okay. How many of you guys got nervous? I was going to kill the fish to illustrate something. <laughs> you really think I'm going to kill the fish? Well, let's do it one more time. Let's just free. Okay, stop, stop. Okay, all right. Did I, are you getting the message here? You sure? Okay, before I continue preaching, um, who currently wants a fish? Seriously, you wanna take a fish? Come here, come grab the fish. Welcome, you take Take this message with you. Thank you. Okay, there you go. And I have food and all kinds of, I have stress, just so you know, we, we, we do care about animals, so we actually sprayed the water, the stress-free solution or something. It's supposed to help the fish not stress so much. So we went to great lengths to make sure that we didn't kill the fish. I just want you to know. Man, that would, took a long time, but it's worth it. Um... I don't want to be known as the pastor who's saying <laughs> part of that world. But I do want to be known as a pastor who is seeing part of that world to get a message across to your soul. And so if that makes it memorable, just understand this. And I was, I just, this comes from my heart. Don't take that from the message. Take the, take the reason I did that with you. That's the important part. Write this down. God's boundaries are for your good, not to keep good from you. Now, I could stop right there, be done. I really could, and get the whole message right there. That's what I came to tell you today. God's boundaries are for your good. It's not to keep you from good. You've been lied to way too long. You think that the boundaries keep you from being free, but they don't. They keep you in freedom. Because if you come outside of the fishbowl, you will die. If in it too long, you will die. Do the opposite. Actually, don't do the opposite. Go try to live in water without an oxygen mask. It won't last long. God put a boundary around humanity. And he didn't create you to live in the water. And he didn't create fish to live above. He put boundaries. Because he brings order to chaos. And many times, we, people, want to get out of our boundary because we think freedom is crossing God's boundaries. And every time you cross God's boundaries, freedom is being removed from you. I hope I shift your thinking about God's boundaries. So with the Israelites, who he's preparing a people to get to know him so that they can learn who he is, so they can go and tell other people about who he is and then show people how they live who he is. God sends them into a desert to teach them about who he is. God took chaos and brought order. But in Genesis chapter three, sin put the human heart back into chaos. Now inside of each of us, 
we all like Ariel in times in our lives, want more. If we get jealous, we look somewhere else. We get envious, we covet, we lie, we steal, we cheat, all for self-glorification. We all have a little Ariel in us at times. That's what sin did. So God sends Jesus down eventually to try to remove this, not to try, he did, to remove the chaos from our souls and bring peace between us and God. The Hebrew people were following these Egyptian gods. I'll put a picture of Pharaoh on the screen. Do you remember Pharaoh? Pharaoh is believed to be in Egypt the one who mediates between the people and the gods of Egypt. And so essentially all power to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, you are our provider. You are the protector. You are the one who keeps us in right standing with the gods. And the Hebrews had bought into that because that's what the world says is true. So it must be true. So they follow those things. And so God allows pain to come because pain prompts prayer. Time we suffer pain, all of a sudden it prompts prayer. So God allows the pain to come to prompt the prayer, to prompt the cry out. God wants to hear the cry of the hearts of people. He hears it, he moves and begins to set them free. So now he's led him into the desert to teach them about who he is. This is not the provider, that is not the protector. This is no God of all. I am God. So God put a plan in place to free the slaves of the Egyptians. Quick note, something to think about. You can write it down in the back somewhere if you want. The he, removing the Hebrews from Egypt was really easy for God. Remember that? He sends them through a river. He, he removes them from slavery. Removing the Hebrews from Egypt was easy, but removing Egypt from the Hebrews was not easy. Removing Egypt from the Hebrews, removing those desires, we're going to see this all through the story of Exodus, removing those desires from their heart, taking them out of Egypt is one thing, taking Egypt out of them is a whole other thing entirely. That's what he's on a mission to do, take the Egypt out of them so he decides to give the Hebrews some boundaries. And he leads Moses, the leader, to the top of a mountain, Mount Sinai. I'll show you a quick photo just to kind of get a visual in your mind. This is not the actual Mount Sinai. We really don't know exactly where it's located. We have ideas, but this is this desert plain, but really beautiful in one way as well. I mean, if, if you were to stand on top of shore where they believe to be Mount Sinai is, it's a beautiful valley and and, but this is kind of a visual of where they are. So God leads Moses to Mount Sinai. And remember, this is also where Moses got his calling. We learned about that in chapter, in chapter 2, or we talked about that in chapter 3, where Exodus 3, but in part 2 of the sermon, where he hears God's cry, and Moses has the same cry, and he meets God at the burning bush. This is at the foot of Mount Sinai, and he takes God, watch this, he takes Moses back to where Moses originally got his calling. He takes him back to where he gets his calling. Moses had been there for full, before, had trained in the desert for 40 years. Now he's leading the nation out. He'd already been in the desert for 40 years. The reason God takes Moses out there first is because of this. You can write this down if you want to on the side. You can't lead people to freedom if you don't know how to get there. So he allows Moses to kind of go there, learn how to operate and function in the desert so that he can then take the people who are not free into freedom, but he's got to first know how to get there himself. All right. So God takes Moses to the top of the mountain. It says in verse 20, chapter 19, the Lord descended to the top of the Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up, and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. He sets a boundary. Verse 22, even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, that separate themselves, or to be set apart, or the Lord will break out against them. 
Verse 23, Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, and here it is, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. God is showing his holiness versus the sinfulness in the human heart. The heart is in chaos. The heart is sin. The human heart is sin. I am holy. The two cannot come together. Put a boundary around because the boundary will keep you safe. Don't come up the mountain. Tell them, Moses. So, eventually, we know that Moses gets what we call the Ten Commandments. These Ten Commandments, and I want to walk through them briefly. So, the Israelites, remember, are given some boundaries here. And these boundaries are meant for good, not to keep them from good. Not to keep good from them, I should say. But to to help them as a people and a community. The first four have to do with the relationship with him, the relationship with God. I'll go through these briefly. You shall have no other gods before me. Number one command. Israel has been in a culture of many gods. The words before me can actually be translated better into as opposition to me. To have a God before me, because these aren't gods at all, but any kind of thing that's in opposition to me is a declaration of war on me. So he tells Israel... He tells these Hebrew people, not Israel yet, but these Hebrew people, to don't put other gods before me. The Pharaoh stuff has got to go. There are no other gods. I am God. There's only one, and it's me. This is a boundary for you. And if you cross the boundary, you're declaring war on me. Don't have other gods in opposition to me. It's not my God, whatever your God says, your God says, my God says, can we all just get along? That would be an opposition to me, and then you declare war. Don't do that. This is a boundary that God sets for the humans. Boundary number two you shall make no idols. An idol is anything you substitute for God. Anything you substitute for God. I wrote a question down for you. Who or what do you serve? Think about it in your life. You serve money, the desire for success, the desire for recognition. Anything can become an idol. When you substitute something for God, you have made an idol. He says, make no idols. If you make, if you put another God in front of me, if you worship another idol, and that doesn't have to be another God in the sense of a calf or a statue, but if you worship your money, you will struggle with chaos. If your life always becomes about your work and your job and your accomplishment, you will have chaos in your soul. And I'm trying to bring order and peace to your soul. About the boundary he sets. Number three, you shall take the the name of the Lord your God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And many times we think growing up as kids, our parents would say, so don't say blank, blank, right? And that's it. If you, you can do whatever you want in life, just don't say blank, blank, and then you're good. <laughs> it's amazing how we, what? No. If someone has a bad name, ladies, have you ever, you ever heard about a guy who had a bad name? Anybody? Any lady ever heard about a guy who had a bad name? Yes. When you hear about that, ladies, you didn't think, oh, he's got a really bad name. Like that name on that birth certificate is just bad. If he has a bad name, something's wrong with his character. He can't be trusted. Okay, the ladies weren't so honest on that one. How about fellas? You ever heard of a girl who had a bad name? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We talk about that. Yeah, we talk about that. We share that information. It wasn't because of the name on the birth certificate. It was because of the name of her reputation that she got. It was the reputation. 
was the name. So when you take the Lord's name in vain, it's not just misusing the name, it's attaching it to the wrong representation. You're misusing it. Don't shatter that name. Don't say to people you're a follower of Jesus, but then act like you can't trust him. You are misusing his name. Don't put that cross in your neck and then curse everybody out around you because you're showing everybody this doesn't mean anything. Don't take his name in vain. It's a powerful name. There is one name that stands above all names. Don't misuse his name. Don't disrespect his name. Takes it to another level. Why? You've got to protect his character. Don't take his name in vain. It's bigger than just saying a word or phrase. It's treating his name as if it doesn't mean anything. Don't treat the name of God like it doesn't mean anything. Amen. Fourth one, keep it holy. The Sabbath, keep the Sabbath holy, right? It was about a day of rest. I gotta go through this quickly now. Day of rest. It was for two reasons. I did a whole message of this years ago, but rest and remember. Just so you know, the Sabbath was created for you, not you for the Sabbath. God gave you a day off, so take a day off. Turn to your neighbor and say, take a day off. To rest Everybody's like, oh, sound good to me. (laughs) And remember, the reason for the Sabbath is to rest and remember what God did for you and what he does for you. So take a day off. You ever notice the Chick-fil-A car line is twice as long as every other fast food restaurant? Do you know what separates Chick-fil-A from every other fast food restaurant? Sabbath. Sometimes I just want to go to all the Burger Kings and all the Taco Bells and said, one, if you just made food better, and two, you just took a day off, you might have a long line too. If they would just, if they would just follow the boundaries that God set. Why did God set the boundary? Listen, it was a way for the Jew to witness to the pagan people around them, my God can do more in six days than yours can in seven. It was a way of saying, listen to me, why the Sabbath is so important. To the Hebrews, it was a way revealing to the community around them, our God is the God over time. He is the God over my time. He's the one that rises the sun. He's the one that declares time. He is the beginning and the end. Sabbath is a really big deal that he puts into play. The last six are relationship with people. Fast. Number one, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. All the parents say amen. See? See? Got you to say amen to that one, all the kids. <laughs> amen. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother. This is a guardrail for children. My two-year-old child takes off the street running all the time. He's crazy. It's true. And um, I just want kids to know something. Young, if you're college, high school, middle school, elementary, if you're in the room, listen, seriously. God gave you your parents for your own good, not to keep good from you. There was a day probably when you were younger, you were doing something really stupid. You're about to pour bleach down your mouth. You're about to take off running into the middle of traffic or whatever. And they reached down and said, no. Stop it. Don't touch that. Don't eat that. Don't go there. And if you could talk then and you understood that, you would say, thank you, Mommy. Thank you, Daddy. You just saved my life. 
But something happens when young people get older. I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing. Right? I want to be free. And then you think you get older, and the same parent goes, no, don't touch that. I want to be where the people are. You know, I'm trying to keep a boundary because I love you, and I don't want you to die. So honor your father and mother. They will protect you. At least they should watch over you. Notice that it does not say, honor your perfect father and your perfect mother. There is only one perfect father. Amen? And then all mothers are perfect. Okay. Um, <laughs> number six, you shall not murder. God is the giver of life, and he's the only one who has the authority to take it. By the way, if you read Exodus 22, verse 2, you'd find that he did give the right for self-defense. You can go read it later. And Jews were allowed to defend themselves if uh, somebody were to break into their house. Exodus 22, verse 2. And all the Second Amendment peoples, so, amen, okay. Okay. <laughs> Not a political stage up here, guys. Let's keep moving. You shall not commit adultery. When the family is destroyed, the community is destroyed. Adultery destroys a community. It destroys a family, and it destroys a community. You kill the community. You kill the county. You kill the county. You kill the city. You kill the city. You kill the state. Kill the state. Kill the country. Kill the country. Kill the world. So I just start with a family. Don't commit adultery. It's a boundary. Don't go there. It's not freedom. You'll destroy the world around you. Don't steal. You shall not steal. God gave the land to Israel, and they were to steward the land. By the way, there are three ways to gain wealth in your life. Number one, work for it. Number two, have it given to you. Number three, steal it. Don't steal it. You work for it, let it be given to you. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Gosh, I could break these down to a whole sermon right now on this one. You shall not bear false witness, witness against your neighbor. You know what that means? Don't spread false information. Think about all the chaos that is brought into society by false information. And I am not trying to make a political statement if that's what's in your mind right now. I'm just saying to you, think about a society that did not have people sharing false information. Think about all the drama in your life because of false information. In the schools, in high school, in college, in your workplace, in the world, in the news, everywhere. Just imagine if no one told a lie. Goodness. A little more peace, a little less chaos. That's his point of these boundaries. Last one, you shall not covet. Covet is to desire. In other words, it's a heart issue. Don't give in to the desires of your heart. Don't follow your heart because your heart is like Ariel. I want to be where the people are. I want to see them dancing, walking around in those, what's that word again? Feet. Right? It's the desires of my heart. Just give her the feet. No, don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful. To covet is to give in to the desires of your heart and the things that you'll do to give in to the desires of your heart. Don't do it. It'll destroy society. It'll bring chaos into the world. Obedience to God's laws, write this down, don't free people, only God's grace frees us. Don't get my message twisted. Obedience to God's laws, don't free people. I'm not here to tell you, follow the Ten Commandments or you go to hell. No. Obedience to God's laws, don't free people. Only grace does that. Jesus died on a cross and we're saved by grace through faith and faith alone. That is choosing to trust in him as the God of the world who came to give his son, his, his son and die for our sins and make us right before his eyes. 
Obedience to God's laws. It's not about salvation here. However, those who are freed from sin freely follow God's laws knowing they lead to living free. I hope that makes sense. If you don't, if that didn't make sense, I put in a simple statement for you. I want you to know this today before we wrap up. Free people freely follow God's boundaries. That is, people who are free in Christ, people who understand God's word and what he did for them, free people freely follow God's boundaries. Free people freely follow God's boundaries. Not because, God's, not because following God's boundaries leads to freedom in the sense of salvation, no, but we, we stay within his boundaries because they keep us free. And we trust him that if we go outside of those boundaries, it brings death, death to our marriages, death to our friendships, death to our society. It brings death, death to our hearts, death to our souls, death to our spirits, death to our minds. So we stay within his boundaries. Amen. Why is it important for you to know that? Because God's boundaries lead us to be who we were made to be. God set boundaries so that we can remain and become ultimately who he created us to be. It's not to be whoever you want and whoever you choose to be. That's no boundary at all. Now go imagine a world where there's no boundaries. Chaos. Confusion. God says, no. I'm putting order into the chaos so you can have peace with me and with one another. Of course, Satan and demonic forces of hell don't want you to believe that. They want people to think one more time, I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those, what's the word again? Feet. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay, up there in the sun, wandering free. Wish I could be part of that world. Ariel's whole passion was to be whatever she wanted to be. And we live in a world today where people believe they should have the right to be whatever they want to be. No! Chaos! Confusion. Disorder. That won't lead you to freedom. It only keeps you a slave to your own desire. You want to be free? Get rid of the selfish desire. Say no to it and follow me, God says. I will bring you peace. Here's what I invite you to do. Change the way you think about God's boundaries. Do that. I invite you to do it. Change the way you think about his boundaries. Why would you want to potentially change the way you think about his boundaries? Because of this. When we change the way we think about God's boundaries, we change the way we think about God. And my hope today was simply that, that somehow as I uh, communicate to you, that you go, man, I'm rethinking about God's boundaries. And maybe there's a boundary that you've broken or that you're considered breaking or that you're going to consider breaking. And I just want to invite you to rethink that. Rethink telling the lie and why God put the boundary there. Rethink the adultery. Why? Because God put a boundary there for a reason. Rethink about idolization and what you might be idolizing and substituting for God. Rethink that. And when you see it as a way of going, God, I, I, I want something good for you. I'm not trying to keep good from you. It'll change the way you see God. And then you'll begin to understand that God, everything God does for you and for me is because he loves you and wants to bring peace to your chaos. Amen? All right, how's that for closing? Let's pray. Jesus, somehow, let the words that I've spoken
penetrate the hearts of your people, including mine. That from this day forward, when we look around at boundaries that you set, when we drive on the highway and we see a guardrail, let it be a reminder, thank you, God, for boundaries. Thank you for clearly laying them out for me to love my neighbor as myself, to love you above all things. When I see a river flowing, or thank you for the ocean. Thank you, God, that you sort of a boundary. Let it be a reminder that you put boundaries in place for my own good, not to keep good from me, not to keep good from me, but you did it for my own good. Thank you, God. God, when I see the world of people around me operating in a way that they want to do whatever they want to do, let me be reminded that only brings chaos. True freedom, Lord, is found only in you. That's true. You came to set us free. And in you, we are free indeed. And so, Jesus, we thank you that we look forward and toward a day. We look towards the day. We look forward to the day that you come and establish peace on earth. No chaos. We look forward to the day of spending eternity with you where everything is as it should be without sin. And so today I just invite you to consider the boundaries that you've broken and change the way you think about them. If you're considering breaking a boundary, consider the way you think about it. And may for the rest of our lives, God, we look at your boundaries as a sign of your love, not as a sign, not as a thought that you're trying to keep something good from us. You're a good father. You would never keep a good thing from us, but you would keep us from something that can kill us. And so thank you, Jesus, for your grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, as we're dismissed today in your envelopes, there is a Brave Steps card. Listen to me. Grab that Brave Steps card out. If you want to take a next step, join a group. Serve with one of our serve teams. We're always in need of volunteers to help pull this thing off every week. Uh, give freely. Take your next step. Follow Jesus. Get baptized. We're here for you. All you got to do is fill that card out. It takes a couple of seconds. Check off the box that applies to you. Put it in one of our give bins on the way out or just drop it off with somebody at Brave Central. We have people there ready to stand with you, answer questions for you, uh, help you get assimilated into the church. If you have any questions about the church, we'll be back there at Brave Central to answer your questions. Um, I love you so, so much. Uh, I cannot wait to celebrate our seven-year anniversary next Sunday uh, right here at 10 a.m. So invite somebody with you. I love you so much. God bless you. Take care. We'll see you next Sunday.